I need to ask now, does everyone have one of our brochures? If you don't have a brochure, ushers, are you ready? If you don't have a brochure, uh, hold your hand up and they'll get it to you because we want everybody to have one. Okay, over here underneath the balcony on my right, over here, my right, over here, my right. If you're facing this way, you're on the left side. Okay, then one over here on my left. And and I've got hundreds up here, up, <laughs> up here if you need them, okay? So I've got them everywhere, all right? Just keep your hands up till they get to you. I hope you wore deodorant. Okay. And right over there, get one there. Does anybody else need it? Okay. We introduced in Sunday school what we called the Operation 5050 Evangelism Campaign. And we are doing this for seven weeks. Only this Sunday, next Sunday, we're supposed to be the two Sunday school lessons. And they'll go back to regular lessons after that. Okay. But th- these two weeks are just to help us out with it. But the actual campaign is for seven weeks. But we don't want to be for just seven weeks. We want to be from now on in your life. Okay, this is something God gives us to do. And so I hope that you will make that uh, a part of your regular life. and We want to help you with that. And so that's what this message is designed to do. Uh, it's supposed to be designed to do this morning. It's just to kind of help us out with that very thing. So I hope that you have that. Uh, in First John chapter 5, uh, verses 11 through 13, we read this. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now shall we pray. Father, I'm asking for your special hand to be upon me and upon this campaign that it will make a life difference in the life of Christians, but also to bring souls to the Savior. So I ask this in your very special and holy name. Amen. Um, we call it a campaign. Usually if you're working with military and you say a military campaign, it means one of two things. They're going in to rescue somebody or they're going in to eliminate somebody, okay? And they have a special operation that they do that. Um, You go to a surgeon and he is going to go in to remove something, but at the same time to rescue the patient from something that's about to harm them. So again, that's the idea of the word operation. And so when we say Operation 5050, we're looking at the fact that we are rescuing the perishing while at the same time attacking the gates of hell. And the Bible says, as Christians, we are in a spiritual warfare. Now, we have tracks, and I'm going to just share a few of these with you today. As a matter of fact, I'm going to share something else. You never... I've. About two or three times by accident, I have brought one of these in to the auditorium, okay? 
And, and one time, I had, each time when I realized I had it, I put it on silent. One time, my idiot brother, uh, up in Blairsville, Georgia, folks, but uh, called me because he knew he was watching us on the Internet. And he called me, figured I had it, and sure enough, I did, and it rang right here in church. The very thing that makes pastors upset, and it rang, and I had it on vibrate. So I said, I don't know how to do it, so I put it on airplane mode now. If I bring it in, rarely do I bring it in. It's up in my office, but if I do bring it in, it's on airplane mode. Right now it's on airplane mode, but I can get into special places. Now I have on the front of mine a very beautiful woman. I say that because I need all the points that I can get. All right? And, but uh, I do that, but I want to use uh, say something about that later in the message, just so that you know. Um, uh, we have in our foyers back here, back there, and back there, we have what we call tracks. I just want to share a few of them with you just to begin with here now. As I said, you should have this one already. But we have out here the invitation for our revival meetings with Evangelist Mike Pelletier. On the back is the plan of salvation. It's the same one. It's actually inside this Central Baptist Church track. It's one that I wrote years ago on door-to-door visitation when I was in Arizona and, and uh, planning a church out there, and that's what we did. Then we have this one. It's called the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, years ago we did this. I think it's around 2003-2004. And it had an eagle on it back then. And we challenged everybody. We gave everybody one, just like we gave you a track today, uh, the church brochure. We gave everybody one, and I read it and went through. As we went through, I read it and explained it. Now, uh, when I say one of the best tracks, I, I, everybody's going to have a different opinion of what they believe is the best track. Okay, so what I say is the best track may be the opposite of what you say is the best track. I'm not saying it's the best track, but I say we had the best results with it. This is actually better than the brochure that I wrote. Okay, and I'm saying it so I can say that because I know. Okay, I wrote the brochure so I know it's better. Now, but we just had people read the track and we had over 30 salvation decisions in a, about a five or six week period. Just people reading the track to someone they committed to read the track to at least one person. And so we have those out there now. It's called the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and they're in the track racks. I, I encourage that. Here's one that uh, Brother Mylon Land uh, got for us, got it uh, set up, and it's called Steel Church. And it says, uh, uh, Steel Church, where a church still feels like church. We want you to know that there's still a church that feels like a church. It won't feel like a rock concert, a comedy club, or a motivational seminar. It's not old-fashioned, as in 50 years ago. It's timeless, as in 2,000 years ago. If you're looking for a church that is still a church, we think you'll feel right at home at Central Baptist Church. Okay, now, uh, there are people looking for that today, okay? On the next side, though, on the other side, uh, he made it a Halloween track by putting my picture on it. But um, it has a list of our services, and then it goes through a plan of salvation. A little bit different than the one that's in the church brochure, but it's good. It's good. And so, uh, it's from the Word of God. It's the way of salvation. This is God's simple plan of salvation. We don't give those out just carte blanche, you know, hey, here's one, here's one, here's one, here's one, here's one, here's one. We don't do that. 
This is, uh, I'm not even, I wrote it and I'm not even sure how many pages it is. But I know that when I recorded it, it was about 15 or 16 minutes. Of course, when you're talking, you say more than the actual words that are in there. But I give this to people. I tell them this. I say this, what's written here, I wrote it. And it's because what's in there is what changed my life. Now, if you didn't write the track, you can at least say what's in here is what changed my life. You can say that about any salvation track, that it's a true salvation track. You can say, what's in here is what changed my life. Okay? And so I give this because there's some people that uh, reading a short track like we're going to go through today or just some of these that I've shown you already, they're not going to read, read it when it's like this. But there are some people that, you know, they, they are searching. And this goes through. So I would say this would be better for that person that, you know, would read it. And I ask them, says, Will, will you read it? And, and they'll usually say, yes, I will. Now, you'll see down here on the plat, here by, on this rail over here, I've got two big stacks of the church brochure. I've got three stacks there, two more stacks over there, so you can come by and get some afterwards. Now, I, I've known of churches and so forth that they'll have people stand there, and they'll just give you handfuls of tracks. You go out the door. What I have found out from talking to people over the years, they've had that happen to them. And they say, oh, sure, I'll take it. They don't want to offend the people. And they just take it home. They throw them away and things like that. Well, the church has just put money into having those things printed that the gospel will get out. And they're in the garbage can. So we have track racks at our church so that people really have a desire in their heart to try to bring souls to the Savior. Then they just take a track and they look through the tracks. I encourage you to read through the tracks. Take several tracks with you and read through them. Read through them. You might find a track. I really like this track. And, and I would say take that with you and read through it. I think it might be a, a big help to you. Now, I say all that now to get us right here to the main track. Uh, the one that we have, the brochure that you have in your pocket. First of all, Central Baptist Church. You say, that's bigger than the one I have. I know I blew it up on the machine. And uh, so I could read it. Okay. But uh, on the front is, is Central Baptist Church. If I'm just inviting somebody that is, I've never met before, they've never been to our church, I'd say, hey, uh, I'd like to invite you to Central Baptist Church. You can see here the picture of our, a lot of people will know it when they see the picture that live here. A lot of people know us as Ocala Christian Academy. If you say Central Baptist Church, no, I don't know where that is. You know where Ocala? Oh, yeah, I've been by Ocala Christian Academy a lot of times. That's us. Okay? And so then I, I, it opens a good door because I'm able to tell them that is a ministry, just like the radio, just like music, just like Sunday school. It's a ministry of Central Baptist Church. Biblically, every ministry should emanate from the local church. That is the way the Bible designed it. Don't go against the Word of God. Okay, so that's the way we do it. Now, uh, so I do that, and I let them know there's a website on the bottom there if they want to go and just check us out because there's a lot of information on the website. Then I can take them to the back side. Now, let's just say that here's somebody that has uh, visited our church, and you go to their house, and you uh, thank them for visiting the church, and you want to talk to them. And so they've been to our church services, or even if they haven't, take them to the back, you say, look at here, we've got Sunday school. You'll love our Sunday school. We've got Sunday school for boys and girls. Uh, their age groups and so forth. And, and boy, they're great. We have some good teachers. And they, they teach boys and girls the Bible on their level. Now, you may have somebody that's in your, your adult age group, okay? So you say, hey, look, uh, uh, I go to Mr. Lloyd's class. Boy, he is a great teacher. 
and man, just really lays it out there for us. And then there's a lot of couples in there that are in our age group. They understand our generation. And, and so they have, uh, we have fellowships. We get together and we just, just have fun together. And, and besides, we study the word of God. We just get to know each other. So if you're in Brother Lloyd's class, you see somebody, work on it. You know, if, if it's another class, say, hey, you'd love our Sunday school class. Uh, we teach the Bible there. And if they're not teaching the Bible, then we have a problem, okay? But uh, so they teach the Bible there. Now, morning worship service. Okay, remember the card? Still church. We're not trying to entertain you at our worship service, but we do want you to know that the love of God is there. Okay. And then we also have a children's church. You know, sometimes you really go there because these things of eternity, the Bible of life itself are very important. So what we're showing you here is, for, uh, is the morning worship service. We have that where we preach, pre- uh, present Christ and the gospel. But we also have a children's hour during that time. Right now, while we're here, we have children's churches. Uh, we have a, uh, the, the uh, fourth through sixth grade for the uh, elementary at that level with the Suttons there. And I believe the Culvers are handing the first through third. And I believe the Montes handled the other group. I'm not real sure of that, but I think they do. Still do or do. No, no, they're back there. So somebody else handling it right now. Now. We have people covering each group. Okay, so as they, they cover those groups, uh, you say, well, how, how do you deal with the three- and four-year-olds? Well, they have to learn to think, you know, God made everything. And it's good to teach them now because they get older, they're going to have a bunch of idiots telling them that God didn't make anything. So let them know now and get that settled in their heart and mind uh, that God made everything. Now, uh, we'd go on down there. Hey, we have an evening service. You know, a lot of people quit having church on Sunday night. We haven't because we still love our God and we still believe it's right. Okay? It's His day. And so uh, we, we do that. And every Sunday night is different. I, I point that out. There, there's a Sunday night, that one Sunday night a month, we'll have specials. And our music director, boy, he's great. And, and Brother Kevin will have a quartet. Then he might have somebody do an instrumental solo. And, and, and then he, he may have a, a, a duet or trio or whatever. We talk about that, you know, and just let them know what's going on in the music. Um, some nights it's the, like tonight, you ought to know night. Sometimes it's family, children's choir, teen choir night. Other times it's that 30-second testimony night. And if we have a month of five Sundays in it, we're going to have one of those Sunday nights. We're going to have the Lord's Supper. Okay, so again, Sunday night, every Sunday night special, and then the preacher's going to preach the word. Okay, then you go down there and you see men's Bible and breakfast. Hey, get up Tuesday morning. The whippersnappers can't get up that early. Okay, it's those older guys that can get up early. The young guys, they just don't have it anymore. But uh, they're always welcome to come. But what I'm saying is we get up, we get there, we study the word of God together. It's more of an open discussion. But I t- tell them about it. The ladies' fellowship, say, isn't it great, you know, you could have, if, they're, if you're stay at home or you're not working that day, you can come and have fellowship with other Christian women and study the Word of God together. It is great. It really is. And so you come together, and there are things that you do and things they get involved in. Then we can look down there further. We can just say, Wednesday night, boy, we have a master clubs. We have the, the living proof you can talk about. If they have kids, then you talk about that, what, what we have there for them. Uh, we have the uh, mission prayer band. So Wednesday night is a Bible verse study, usually verse by verse study of a book of the Bible, like we're doing now with the book of Titus. And if we don't have a, that going on, then we normally have a, a missionary in. 
who will present his ministry, what he's doing around the world. So again, there are things with that that you can share with the people and, and let them know about your church. But the important thing that you want to share is what's inside. Okay. And as I said earlier, if you just read through this, I don't know too many people get saved just reading through it unless they're really examining and go to the scriptures and look it up. Most won't. If they're not saved, they're, they're not interested in looking it up. Most of them will not. They may not even have the right Bible to look it up. They may not have a Bible to look it up. Now, one of the reasons I encourage you, I've got this phone out. Uh, now, you know, I've hated these things, but I do see some advantages. For an example, uh, you carry that in your holster, your, your pocket, or wherever you carry it, you carry that thing. And you have a list of all the verses already out where you can just hit that one thing and bring those verses up. Romans 3.23 and all gone down through the line. And you've got them all there to go over it with somebody. If you're talking to most of those verses I pretty well have memorized, so I don't need that. But I still have it there. Somebody says, well, show that to me. Then I've got to show it to them. And so you have that as a Bible. Now, uh, you're going to show this to somebody. You're going to go through it. As I said, it's you explaining it. This is why you're not just reading it. You're explaining it. I'm going to give some illustrations. The illustrations that you give, you may have better illustrations. You may not do it exactly the way I would do it. That's fine. Now, have I led a person to the Lord using this? Yes. But I'm not saying here, my style or my presentation is the only way. I'm not saying that. There's only one way to salvation. That is through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the only way. But different people have different ways of, of uh, saying it. So look, let's look right there at the first one. Know the Lord. You've just said, opened it up and say, know the Lord. Do you know the Lord? Oh, yeah, I've heard of Jesus. Do you have the calm and blessed assurance that if you died today, that you would go to heaven and be in his presence forever? That's when we go back to 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. And you see it there. He says, These things have I written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, wouldn't you want to know if, that if you died today that you could go to heaven? Wouldn't you want to know that, how to get there, how it would happen? Well, now, now you said, okay, yeah. And, and then you have to say, well, we'll just use Mr., not to offend anybody, we'll just use Mr. Smith. Um, and Dave, that's a great song. So anybody can't sing a song like that and not be saved, okay? But, uh, and the way he sang, but we're saying Mr. Smith, okay? Say, Mr. Smith, uh, he says you can know. And the, the, that's based, though, on if you believe. Knowing and believing, then, is saying, I believe God, and I can take him in his word. God will not lie. Now, the Bible says in a couple of places, God doesn't lie. But God doesn't lie. So, first of all, Mr. Smith, he says uh, that you can know. Can you see that? And, and you show him the verse. Secondly, you must know who he is. We have John 14, verse uh, 6 written down there. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man comes unto the Father but by me. Now, Mr. Smith, you see now that he has just said here that the only way to go to heaven is through him, through Jesus Christ. That's what he said there. The only way you're going to see the Father is through him. Can you see that? Oh, yeah, I can see that. Okay, next, Mr. Smith, you must know what Christ did for you. That Jesus died for your sins. Mr. Smith, you have sinned according to Romans 3.10. He says, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Now, Mr. Smith, just talking to you, I think you're a great guy. But I'm not the one who's the judge, and I'm not the one who measures. Now, the Bible tells us about different things that are sin. He that looked upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already, and that's a sin. He said, uh, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. The Bible says that he's going to judge even the thoughts and intents of our heart. The thought of foolishness is sin. So there's so many things that are sin. But Mr. Smith, if I just committed three sins a day, just three sins, I believe I do many more when you look at my thoughts, my deeds, my words, everything else. So, but only three sins a day. Then at my age, which is 69, I would be a sinner because I have 69,000 sins. That says I'm a sinner. And by the way, that's an underestimation, okay? <laughs> that's underestimating it. But uh, so that's the sin. Can you see that, that I'm a sinner? Okay, Romans 3.10, 3.23 says, For all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Mr. Smith, what I want you to understand, the glory of God, he doesn't compare you and me together. He compares us with his glory, which is Jesus Christ. I've got to be as good as Jesus Christ to go to heaven, and I'm not. And so right there, I realize that I'm a sinner. The second thing I want you to see, Mr. Smith, he says, all of us are, therefore, guilty of sin's work, and all of us deserve sin's wages. And Mr. Smith, he says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Mr. Smith, that means final, complete separation from God forever in the lake of fire. And Mr. Smith, if I were to take my finger and cut it off, put it up here, come over here, Mr. Smith, that would not be the real me. Even though it's my finger, that would not be the real me. And the reason is the real me lives inside of me. That's the person. Well, Mr. Smith, we were created in God's image. God is the spirit. So that spirit that's in me, when it leaves this body, is going to either go to heaven or to hell. The word death doesn't mean ceasing to exist. The word death means separation. So that when I die, this body dies, that spirit in me separates from this body and goes either to heaven or to hell, one of the two. So he says the wages, what we've earned, and 69,000 sins, Mr. Smith, earns me to go to hell. Okay? For the wages of sin is death. But Mr. Smith, look at that. That's pretty grim news. But look at the rest of that verse. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the gift is not something that we've earned. It's something that we give. Now, Mr. Smith, I don't know about you. I've had people say, I want to give you something. And I didn't really want to take the gift because I always felt like there was an attachment with it. And I'd end up paying more by being obligated to the person. So I'm a little bit leery sometimes. But, you know, somebody says, here's a $100 bill, no strings attached. It's just yours. You, got to take it. you still got to take it. If you don't take it, even though it was there for you, you've got to take it. So, Mr. Smith, you can see that salvation is a gift of God. We can't earn it. 
I can't do enough to make up for 69,000 sins. Now, Mr. Smith, the next one, he says, uh, God loved you so much in Christ Jesus that Christ died on the cross for all sin for all time. And only he could do this because he knew no sin his entire life. Mr. Smith, 2 Corinthians 5.21 there says that Jesus became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Mr. Smith, the reason that says the righteousness of God is that Jesus always existed in eternity past, but only in spirit. We have Christmas time where we celebrate his birth, but that's when he took on a human body. But before that, he was always that, that, but he was born of a virgin so that he would not inherit what you and I have inherited from the first man, Adam. That is that old sin nature. So since that's the truth, uh, Mr. Smith, we, we, have, we have all sinned. We all have a sin nature, but only Jesus Christ didn't have a sin nature. He lived 33 and a half years on this earth and never sinned one time that he might die for you and me. When he was dying, he was dying for all sin for all time. That's why we read in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 24. And by the way, I would just use verse 24 here, folks, uh, instead of that whole thing that I have written out there. But just verse 24 uh, tells us there that uh, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye are healed. Okay? So Jesus was dying for every sin. He bore our sins in his own body. And if you remember the story, Mr. Smith, about Jesus dying on the cross, for three hours men were doing everything. His body was beaten and bleeding. But God just allowed that so that we could see his displeasure for sin. But the skies turned dark. And that's when God took over, the Father took over the crucifixion and poured out his wrath on the human spirit because we were made spirits. And he paid our penalty in full those last three hours. When Jesus said it was finished, that meant our payment for sin was paid in full. And Jesus paid it all. And listen, Mr. Smith, you and I were not alive at that time, so he was dying for every sin you or I ever would or ever will commit. And so he loves us that much. Next verse says, Jesus was in the grave three days. He rose up from the dead to give you everlasting life, to save you from eternal damnation in hell. Mr. Smith, Revelation 20, 14, 15 says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That means they're in hell forever. Their spirit contained, imprisoned in a body. They cannot cease to exist. There's no hope for them. Because they did not receive what Jesus did for them. And Revelation 1.18 says that Jesus has the keys of hell and of death. He's the only way, as we read earlier. Now, let's look down here, Mr. Smith, though, just a little bit further. It says, you must know Christ as Lord. You must believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins 
and rose from the dead. Romans 10.90 says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, Mr. Smith, what I want you to understand when he says Lord Jesus, there was a purpose. Lord is speaking of his deity. He was God come in the flesh. Jesus speaks of his humanity. His humanity was the sacrifice for our sin. But he rose himself up from the dead, so that's why he has the keys of hell and of death, and that's why only he can save you. So that thou shalt confess thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. But the next verse, Mr. Smith says this, Romans 10, 10, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Now, Mr. Smith, the heart is our life. Take out the heart, we don't have a life anymore. So with the with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. When you're believing something with your heart, you're trusting your life with it. Okay? And so, Mr. Smith, you're trusting your life with that. Not yourself, your life with whatever that is. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. But it's what you're believing unto, what you're relying on. It's not your righteousness or my righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. He was a perfect sacrifice on the cross. So you're going to be in Christ if you receive him, and that's how you're accepted before God. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, so you're putting it all, all in Jesus Christ. You can't just say, well, I will believe in Jesus, but I also want to believe in this and believe. No, that's not what Jesus wants. It's in him and him alone. You know, it, it's funny, Mr. Smith, but it's kind of like getting married. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that salvation, that marriage is a picture of salvation. Not salvation, a picture of marriage, but marriage is a picture of salvation. See, Mr. Smith, you could have seen, had five or six girlfriends, and your wife could have had about ten boyfriends, and it's usually that difference, okay? But, but she had those boyfriends, you had those girlfriends, but when you decided, it's not that you hated the other people, but you loved this one, and you committed yourself for life to that one. And that's what you're doing to Jesus Christ. When you're coming to him, it's not a work that you're going to do because he's already done the work. But you're going to trust him with your heart, with your life, with your eternity. So you're turning to him as your Savior. For with the heart man believes in righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made in salvation. And so we read then, uh, you believe that he died for you. Look at number two there, Mr. Smith. He says, believing he did this for you, you must receive him as your Lord and Savior. Now, Mr. Smith, you might say something like this, but I've always believed in Jesus. I'm not a heathen. Well, Mr. Smith, this, this belief is a total commitment to Jesus Christ. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. See, Mr. Smith... When you give yourself to Jesus Christ, it's just like when you got married again. Life changed. Okay, now it was for both of you. And you were to love her with all your heart. She's supposed to submit to you, yes, but you're to love her. This marriage commitment that you made is just a picture of the relationship you have with Jesus Christ. He's going to be the head of the home, you might say. He's the head of your life. You're subjected to him, but he's a loving head. When your wife has said yes to you, she felt like that she could trust you 
and you were her security. Jesus Christ is our security into eternal life. Okay, and so he says in Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now you see there, that's not a work. Yours is to believe and turn to him. That, we call that turning to him, just like you're turning from all those other girls, those other people, and you're turning to that one girl. You're turning to Jesus Christ, but in turning to him, you're turning from your sin. He takes your sin away. You can't take it away. Just like I couldn't take mine away. You're turning to Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty in full. Now, Mr. Smith, believing that Jesus died for you on the cross, he was buried and rose up from the dead, knowing he was God in the flesh who came for you to die for you, wouldn't you like to right now ask Jesus to come to your heart as your God and Savior? Now, Mr. Smith says, yes. Okay, okay. Wake him up, Diana. Okay, all right. Say yes. All right. Now, when I pray with him, you see there's a prayer down there. It'll start out, dear God. He said, why do you say dear God? And I always hear you say, precious Father, Heavenly Father. Because not their father yet. So they're coming to God in Jesus Christ. All right. Dear God, now repeat, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for all of my sin. For all of my sin. I believe three days later, I believe three days later, he rose up from the dead. And usually I say he rose up bodily from the dead. And I say that to you folks right now just to kind of break this off just a little bit. There's out there teaching, well, Jesus rose just in a spirit but not in a body. No, he conquered hell and death, okay? So he rose up, uh, so I say he rose up bodily from the dead, and he repeats that. I right now invite Jesus Christ, I right now invite Jesus Christ into my heart and life, into my heart and life as my Lord, as my Lord. As my God, as my God, as my Savior, save me right now. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, he prayed that prayer with you. He meant it. You can't see his heart, so you don't know if he meant it or not, okay? Only God will know that. You just led him to Christ. Ours is to lead them to Christ. God does the saving, not me, okay? Not you. Now, if they do that, then I take them, I'd do two things. First of all, and it's not written there, but uh, I'd take them to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, where he says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. Mr. Smith, you didn't save yourself. Jesus did. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Mr. Smith, we'd brag about it if we did it. So Jesus Christ did it all. So he did it. But also, remember what we read up there earlier? that you may know that you have eternal life. Mr. Smith, would God lie to you? Do you believe that he died for you? Do you believe he rose from the dead and you are receiving him as your God and Savior? Then he'd have to lie for you to go to hell. So, Mr. Smith, if you died today, tomorrow, or 50 years from now, where would you go? I'd go to heaven. Okay, now, we've given him assurance. 
He's received the Lord. We've given him assurance, or the Bible's given him assurance. I don't give anybody assurance. God does, okay? The Bible. That's why we use the Bible and all of it. Now, Mr. Smith, uh, God tells us one thing. That being Romans chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. Uh, he tells us uh, the first command after you receive him is to be baptized. But he also tells us to tell others. So, Mr. Smith, there's uh, two things that we do to do that. First of all, we could put you on a truck, on the back of a truck, and have a big loudspeaker drive around town and say, David Smith just got saved. And that would be great, but people might think you're kind of crazy and put you in a straitjacket. Okay. What we do is that we come to church. And at the church, the invitation. Now, I, I can't do this. I can't do what all of you all can do and say, come to church with me. I'll sit with you. And at the invitation time, I'll walk forward with you. Okay. But now I say, Mr. Smith, at invitation time, come down there, and, and I'll meet you there at the front, and I'll uh, have you uh, wait there. We'll fill out a card on you so, so I can announce it, but I'll tell people uh, that you've asked the Lord to save you, and I'll ask you three questions. And those questions are, uh, Mr. Smith, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead? And all, I says, your big speech is yes or no, okay? And have you asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come to your life and save you? And will you live for him? Okay. Now, we'll, we'll accept him into the fellowship of the church at that point. But if he's, you know, I'm not sure about joining the church, then the personal worker lets me know. Now, we have those three things there that I've gone over with him, given him assurance, told him that his need for baptism, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 6, speaks of baptism. It's the first command, great commission after salvation. Now, how many in here can say, Pastor, after you've read through that and you've given illustrations, I can think of a whole lot better illustrations and a better way to do it. Raise your hand. It's all right. I'm not going to embarrass you. Okay. Okay, there's one. Okay, that's good. Now, and, and, and really, you can't. That is not normally what I do when I'm out witnessing. I have used that before and led a person to the Lord. But that's not normally the way I go about it. But what I'm challenging you to do is that whether you use a different way to lead a person to the Lord is to take a track out there, because at least when you take this with you, you're introducing them to the Central Baptist Church, and if they don't get saved when you witness to them, you might have planted a seed that they might come and receive Christ as Savior when they're here. Okay? And, and that's what we're about. Jesus would come to this earth and die for his soul. And if he would care that much <clears throat> that he'd become a human being just so he could die for us, he didn't have to. He did that because he loves us. And then he gave us a commission, go tell others. Go tell the world. And <clears throat> just think, one day we'll be at the judgment seat of Christ. If you're saved, you'll be at the judgment seat. If you're not saved, you'll be at a white throne judgment. The white throne... <clears throat> they'll show everything you ever thought, said, did, or whatever. Even the intents of your heart, you'll realize you deserve to go to hell at that point, and they will cast you into the eternal lake of fire, where you don't cease to exist, where you can never escape. There's no hope. But, if you're at the white throne judgment, you don't want somebody that's a family member, a friend, a fellow employee, that you rubbed elbows with, 
day after day and you never told them once and they're going to look at you as they're being cast into the lake of fire and you'll see it written on their face. That's why at Revelation chapter 21 after the white throne and they're cast into the lake of fire the Bible says then he'll wipe all tears from our eyes. It must be very important that he gives high rewards for bringing souls to the Savior. When I say bringing souls to the Savior, somebody may, you may bring, as a matter of fact, you'll find that probably closer to 90%, if not more, will not get saved that you share the gospel with. But their blood will not be on your hands. Other words, it doesn't mean you'll lose your salvation or blood on your hand. It means that that person's in hell and you lose reward that the Lord wanted to give you. Which shows the lack of love. Sometimes we fear to do what I just shared with you. So whether you read a track, the, the important thing is you've got to do it my way. No, that's not the important thing. The important thing is that you witness the entire gospel to a lost soul. That's why I said the campaign's for seven weeks, but we feel this is a life duty of every saved person. Every saved person, this is our life duty. And so that's my challenge this morning. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here in a moment. Instead, I'm just going to ask you to come down here. If you want to take some more with you, there are handfuls down here you can take I don't want to give you handfuls I want you to take whatever you feel like that you'll use but you'll come down here and just say you know what I I will do this I will give out at least one of these a week and I'll try to go through it with at least one person a week a person that you think is not saved go through it with them just have that love in your heart for Christ, but also for those souls that you'll do it. If you'll do it, that's the invitation for the Christian today. You come, take that with you. And, but when you come here, whether you grab one here, grab one on your way out the door, you're making this a solemn promise before God in his house that I want to turn others to Jesus Christ. I think Bob Gray said it the best. So warners, not so winners. We don't win souls. We warn souls. Jesus saves them. But a second thing, if you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home, when we give our invitation here in a few moments, I don't want you to come down here and stand. I want you to come down here and see me. I will direct you to someone trained in the Word of God that will open the Bible and show you how to be saved. How you can walk out of here today knowing that if you died that heaven's your home. Our text we read is that you can know. And if you want to know, then I encourage you to come for that. We're going to have a hymn of invitation here in just a moment. Our hymn number is going to be hymn number 343, Rescue the Perishing. Christian asks our duty. Duty demands it. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Duty demands it. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have a word of prayer. We're going to stand. Brother Kevin's going to lead us in hymn 343, Rescue the Perishing. And as he does...
you come, you say, yes, I'll make that promise to God these next seven weeks. I'll try to give out at least one of these brochures and try to witness to someone. Now, if you don't witness according to the brochure, but you witness to them the full gospel, which Christ died for you, was buried and rose from the dead, receive him through repentance and faith, then that's fine. But I just wanted to get you to do it. Just get you to do it because I know it's best for you. It's best for you. If you're not sure you're saved, come see me and let's pray.